In anticipation for the 2019 Christians in Commerce Annual Conference on October 4th and 5th, we wanted to rebroadcast our interview with Ed Verivice. Ed will be one of our featured speakers during the Worklight Gathering on Friday, October 4th. In this episode, he shares an incredible story of healing and how it transformed his relationships with his coworkers. Welcome to the 9 to 5 podcast, conversations with Christians about lives of faith, integrity, and excellence at work. They are from Christians in Commerce, a ministry supporting and encouraging men and women to be Christ in the workplaces. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, this is Steve Becker with CIC. Today we're busy with Ed Verweiss. Hi, Steve. Nice to be here. Well, it's good to be here with you, especially considering what happened just a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah. So I would like to get a running start at this because it's pretty extraordinary what you went through. Well, clearly, Steve, uh, God's fingerprints are all over this. Uh, I'm glad to be able to tell you this story, but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the presence of the Lord and all the other people's care for me during the circumstances. So you don't really actually remember what happened, do you? Not at all. Yeah. Uh, I The story I'm going to tell you is the story that many people have shared with me. Uh, what happened was uh, I had just left a meeting. We were walking on the street in Minneapolis, and I had a cardiac arrest. Uh, I collapsed on the city street. Uh, I was there with three of my coworkers. Uh, they quickly went into action, and one uh, flagged down a policeman. Another one called 911. And the third picked me up off of the sidewalk and took care of me for the few minutes before the ambulance arrived six minutes later. Uh, it took uh, another three, four minutes for the, the EMTs to uh, start uh, giving me cardiac uh, uh, palpitations and uh, being able to, to give me some oxygen uh, and then to get me ready to shock my heart. Uh, all this happened and took about 10 minutes. Uh, the biggest concern in all of that was uh, the uh, oxygen uh, that I wasn't receiving typically causes brain damage after the first five minutes. So you were actually not breathing for a full 10 minutes. That's correct. So they rush you to the trauma center and into, into ER. What happens there? Well, I'm, I'm in the ER, and the ER typically sees a lot of cases like mine uh, that do not turn out. Uh, but they worked very hard to uh, keep my heart flowing again after they did shock me. To uh, prevent more brain damage, they decided to put me into a drug-induced drug coma and then uh, to take me into a situation where they would cool my body down. So my body down. So the ER doctor received you, I think you told me, wasn't very optimistic about your situation. No, he wasn't. Uh, only about 3% of the cases that come in like this survive. Uh, so the expectation on the staff of the ER's minds is that they have someone who is not going to live or severely brain damaged. So what's their typical expectation uh, with uh, patients like this? I mean, what is their attitude as patients like this roll in? Well, they're, they're trained to treat you very well and uh, treat the family very well and to play out the circumstances. Uh, since I was in uh, a drug-induced coma, um, they uh, were able to settle me down. I was 
Uh, I had a, 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 a trach in to breathe. They uh, uh, were cooling my body down and, and everything had kind of settled in. When the doctor asked my wife if she would be willing to put me into a study uh, that the hospital was having, the option would be to go to uh, the cath lab and have uh, my arteries all checked out or to go to ICU and just be watched for the next 24 hours to see how things were. Uh, and that was a study that they were offering at the hospital there. But And so uh, well, this is really a c- critical juncture mm-hmm. in your treatment, was it? So what happened with the study? Yes, uh, my wife said yes, uh, figuring that it wasn't a, uh, a major deal to go either way. Uh, and the, the, the blind study came up and said, uh, take me to the cath lab, which they did. And while in the cath lab in the next 20 minutes or so, they found out I had a major artery that was blocked uh, 80%, uh, not the cause of my cardiac arrest on the street, but a very significant blockage nonetheless. So immediately they turned around and put a stint in. And this was really critical because uh, somewhere in the next uh, four to five hours, uh, I would crash again with another heart failure. If that stint wasn't in place, I would have died I would have died a second time. <laughs> I did die a second time. So, I mean, uh, actually, the artery that you're talking about yeah. is often referred to the major artery into the heart and often referred to as the widow maker, that's, correct? That's correct. So when I crashed the second time, it was significant. And the fact that that widow maker was taken care of really did save my life a second time. So just to recap a couple of things that were, were where you were very blessed. You had the heart attack in the middle of the streets of Minneapolis. You were across the street from a police station, and the policeman came to you with oxygen yeah. when they returned there. You were about three or four blocks away from the major trauma center in Minneapolis, correct? You go into the ER room, and you're met by ER doctors who, who give all their expertise and skill to work for you. But the reality of it is their own experience is 97% of the time people in your condition just don't survive and most of their efforts go to naught. So they put you into a blind study and uh, you all of a sudden find yourself in a cath lab where they find the blockage in your major artery, which eventually you have a second cardiac arrest. And if that hadn't happened, you wouldn't have survived that. That's You're very fortunate. (laughs) I was. Uh, it was quite hard uh, in the circumstances. Uh, my wife was able to uh, really hold up really well, uh, came back into the, the ER to be with me uh, after the second cardiac arrest. Um, the doctors also looked at that and said, well, we don't want to give them any more drugs for a drug-induced coma or warming the body. Uh, we should bring him out of that. Uh, so they expected it to take 24 hours before I would wake up. And uh, uh, so they stopped all the drugs, began that process. And significantly, I woke up within the hour. Uh, I was tossing and turning in the bed, wanted to pull out my trach. I wanted to talk. I wanted to sit up. And I shocked everyone in the ER uh, with all of my commotion and wanting to sit up and, and be involved. Uh, Within the hour, they had taken the trach out, and I was sitting up laughing and joking with all of the staff. You must have looked like Lazarus coming back from the dead. And and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where I was or what was happening. And I had to ask 
someone else to tell me the story of, of what went on the last 18 hours. So they had expected you to be brain de- dead and actually had seen some, I think you told me, some evidence that you might be brain dead before this happened. And all of a sudden now you're talking to That's correct. talking to your wife. Uh, the, uh, the, the shock of one waking up and being active and proactive uh, with, the, with the staff, uh, then on top of that, showing signs that there were no brain damage uh, other than short-term memory loss, which was expected. Uh, uh, it was a phenomenal recovery. So for days, you had lots of people coming by the hospital, as I understand, from uh, wanting to see this phenomenon and pretty amazed at all, all about that. And one day you were sitting around and another doctor walked in who you didn't recognize. That's correct. Tell us about that. Well, we, the family was all around and we were uh, visiting and, and talking through a couple of things. And, and again, my family was sharing the story with me. Uh, when the ER doc had come in that I didn't recognize and he just sat in the, in the room off to the side and he told my wife, I just want to see him alive and up and, and functioning and come to find out he's just not used to seeing people survive. And uh, the situation that I was alive and well and doing great moved him uh, quite a bit that he just wanted to sit there and look at me uh, and see me. And that made a change in his life and all the work and all the care that he does at the hospital. You told me he actually used the term, and to him it was a miracle. To him it was a miracle because uh, he's just so used to seeing people uh, not uh, surviving. So, you know, uh, in CIS Christians and Congress, we talk a lot about working for our father, and it just uh, it just strikes me so much in this particular situation. I love your, I love your uh, description of the fingerprints of God being all over this. And uh, the, certainly the... 10 minutes without oxygen, jumping out, of, coming alive when they take you off the drugs within an hour and being active and interacting with people rather than 24 hours. The only thing you ever suffered was a little short-term memory for a few days lost. All those things are certainly miraculous parts of the whole experience. But also, I mean, I think sometimes we lose sight of how God pours himself out of a situation like this, like your coworkers who jumped into action. I mean, it had to be traumatizing for them yeah. to see what was going on and then spring into action. These ER doctors, nurses, and all the different staff that's around, the way they they apply their skills and their expertise, regardless of the fact that they often are extremely disappointed by the fruits of their labor. Yeah. And the joy that they would have experienced seeing something like this happen. Your the EMTs who came there and they worked on you and had and you know the impact that might have had on their lives. Uh, you're being the location where you're at, how close you were, the grace of God being poured out. You know, sometimes we just don't see the fingerprints of God. It takes a forensic scientist to find the fingerprints. Yeah. And in this case, you just have to open your eyes and look around and see how God pours out His love in a situation like this. Uh, in the time the the nurses and the doctors. Uh, word spread quickly with the the team that took care of me, uh, both from the ER, the EMTs, uh, and the nursing staff and the ICU staff. When they heard that I was doing well and doing alive and up and, and speaking, they were all amazed and they were all, uh, of course, pleased. Uh, but it it affected all of them. It just strikes me what a great illustration this story is of God's grace, His power our cooperation, participation, and all that comes together 
in such a marvelous way to bring forth, create space for the kingdom of God to be demonstrated. Yeah. So let's, uh, this is a good place to uh, take a break. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit now about the impact this has had on you, your coworkers, your work situation, and just how your perspective on working for our Father. Bring your Christian coworkers together using our free resources. Go to workingforourfather.com and download a free copy of the three keys to transformative small groups. You'll find it on our challenge group page. Our newsletter and workday reflections will help launch meaningful conversations about lives of faith, integrity, and excellence. So I don't add this has had a profound impact on your life. I, you, you remind me of, you know, you read all the stories of the Gospels of Bartimaeus and all these different people who were healed, the, uh, the beggar on the steps of, of uh, the temple that John and uh, Peter healed. All these people have a life afterwards, and people know about what has happened to them. And you're just one of those walking miracles now. So let's talk a little bit about the insights that stand out for you based on your uh, your experience. And uh, particularly, uh, let's just talk about the uh, interaction you had with your coworkers. I'm sure this uh, went through the office rapidly, the news of it all. Yes, it did. Uh, while I was in the hospital and my family would tell me the story of what happened, uh, I would always come back and say the same thing. I bet you I scared the living daylights out of my coworkers. Uh, and they would all laugh because I would say that every time. And that's one of the hardest things uh, from uh, a humility standpoint for me to, to even talk about. Um, I had three coworkers who were with me that really jumped into action and saved my life. Uh, that all happened within 10 minutes. Uh, and literally, I was uh, driven away in an ambulance and left the three of them standing on the sidewalk after 10 minutes. The shock of everything was, was uh, magnanimous. And they literally found the nearest park bench and sat down. First, they prayed for me, and then they prayed for themselves and their fellow coworkers to to just somehow deal with the circumstances. And then they were in a situation where they did not know and were not allowed to find out what happened to me literally for the next 24 hours. Uh, and so they were worried. They were up all night, uh, went back into work the next day, uh, and uh, the office had provided some counselors to help them out. My, my son showed up. Uh, and was able to give them the good news that I was doing well, uh, sitting up, and it, it just was uh, a wonderful time for them. Uh, they had planned a whole day of uh, just getting together to talk about me, and I was the, uh, the new guy in the, the new guy in the office. Just three weeks, and and everything that happened, and then of course they had to tell everybody else within the office and explain to them their story over and over again. So three weeks later, uh, it was my turn to come back into the office. And I was afraid of, of really how to handle this moment of meeting these three people that saved my life. Um, and literally, I've only known them for three weeks, and we didn't have a deep you know, uh, relationship or anything. Uh, but it was a tearful moment, the, uh, the joy on their hearts to see me well and up and about. Uh, and then everybody coming around and wanting to hear the story. Um, and I was 
I worked very hard really just to bite my tongue and let my coworkers share their story to give them the, <clears throat> the opportunity to really uh, walk through it again with me present and then just to give them a hug uh, to be able to see this and, and to see what God had done. And I had decided uh, going into this that I wasn't going to hold back my faith and I was going to share my story, share uh, the fingerprints of God uh, in the midst of all this. The opportunity to do that, not only with these three people, but with a whole team around me, um, was was real grace-filled uh, and uh, gave everybody an, op- an opportunity to share their own feelings, their own feelings about their own faith. It really opened up a door wide open for all these people to feel comfortable to share their own faith, uh, to share their own experiences, some their own experiences with death, uh, with family members, uh, really to open up, not just with me, but with others around. Uh, it really gave us a camaraderie. So after three weeks on the job, uh, or knowing these people for three weeks, and then coming back in after this, we had a level of relationship that was if like we had known each other for, for a couple of years, a depth of relationship that was comfortable to be able to share uh, our faith, our troubles, uh, fears, uh, to share tears uh, and our emotions. Uh, it was really uh, a very uh, humbling experience uh, that first day back in the office. One of the stories that you told me that I think just illustrates how your coworkers, especially the women who were with you, dealt with this, uh, that I thought was such a kind, loving act, was about what they did w- for you while you were in the hospital. Yeah. They, uh, uh, the women got together and took an afternoon over lunchtime uh, and brought in all kinds of crafts, and they they made uh, homemade cards uh, that they wrote out with their own stories, their own comments, their own messages. Uh, and so there were twenty of them that had did uh, that put uh, a stack of cards together that they made, and then delivered that to me uh, through my son uh, to the hospital. So that I sat there and I opened this package of 20 cards and uh, it was uh, a very touching moment uh, within the hospital and it was therapeutic for them Uh, it was their way of showing their love and their grace for me they could have just gone on and done the work that they were uh, all there to do but they uh, they couldn't stop thinking about me the father is so good at times and all goodness comes from god and all love comes from god as a source of all goodness and all love and whether people acknowledge him or not when they're doing the things they're doing they are participating in god being poured out in the world and i just think that you know what what actually has they've experienced in this whole thing is they've experienced the kingdom of god being being unfolded right before them the uh, uh an interesting point is that uh, part of my job is to be uh, a mentor to uh, several other members on my team this circumstances uh, that we've gone through, the, the opportunities uh, of uh, sharing our stories, crying together a little bit, has given me the opportunity to really be able to mentor these individuals at a much deeper level than I could have ever experienced before. I could walk into anybody's office uh, and sit down and have a major conversation with them. 
and I just met these people. Uh, but because of our circumstances, we're, we've moved along that, that timeline uh, to really be good uh, fellow workers that trust and care and love one another within the office. And again, on top of that, freely sharing our faith with one another. I found out a large number of my fellow co-workers are Christians, where we would have never have talked about that for maybe a year or two into uh, the, the work situation. So one of the things I think you're highlighting is there's a, there's a new level of intimacy and transparency and the humanity of your relationship that often gets overlooked in a work situation where it's very functional, but which, what, which really matters a lot to people. And it looks like it's almost as if God catapulted you and your coworkers into a situation with one another. What a gift that is. So what do you think you do with that? Uh, it's, uh, quite interesting. I, I, I'm in a place where I, uh, uh, I feel very vulnerable with the Lord where I feel like he shared with me, uh, his most intimate heart. Uh, in the midst of that, uh, I feel like I'm a new person. Uh, and I have the ability to be a new person with his grace and his love. And that's poured out to my workplace, to my family, to, uh, my fellow brothers and sisters, uh, church members, uh, I just feel like uh, it's uh, a calling or a mission to uh, just to be a new person, a loving person and a caring person and a, and a faith-filled person to everybody I meet. How I play that out is a good uh, uh, story. I'm not sure I know what it is, and I'm a blank slate right now. I really say... I don't know what tomorrow looks like. I know what today looks like, and I'm willing to adjust to whatever God puts in front of me uh, and willing to do that at whatever the cost. Um, and I, I don't have a concept of wanting or having to know the future. Uh, I'm just excited and, and delighted to live through today, uh, and I do it with joy. Um, I do it with a little extra pain. I do it with a little extra hardware in my chest. Um, but uh, I feel like it's a different world, a different opportunity, and an opportunity to, to uh, really share the love of God to everywhere I go and, and whoever I meet. Living in the present moment and living for today and seeking God's will and wanting to do what God wants us to do is how we all ought to live. Hopefully we all don't have to go through what you did to get to this discovery point. And most of us tend to overlook it. So this, this is wonderful for you to have, you know, kind of shine a light on that just from your own perspective, because you just have a different view on things. You see yeah. things a lot clearer than many of us who haven't been through an experience like this yeah. do. I uh, There are a lot of things that don't matter anymore, uh, which is quite interesting to me. This is causing me to live day to day, being in the awe of the Lord. Uh, I died twice and I'm still here. How do I live this out? I don't know, but I'm here to do it. And I do think that uh, the Lord has something for me special to do. One of the best descriptions of work that uh, I've ever heard is it's work, uh, work is about making yourself useful to other people, serving other people, and useful to uh to society, to civilization. And certainly in your situation, surrounded by doctors, EMTs, co-workers, uh, is dramatically demonstrated 
how people use their mental ability, their effort and their will, their cooperation with what had to happen uh, to make themselves useful to you, Mm -hmm. which kind of seems like a understated way of describing that. But the same thing's true for for those of us who work in regular sorts of jobs that aren't that kind of dramatic, like medical care and things like that. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, as you, I mean, you work at a state agency with tax revenue, dealing with property taxes, and what does it mean to you? How will you make yourself more useful to others? This is another dynamic of my story, and that is I, I saw the the EMT the doctors, the ER, the ICU staff, they all poured out their heart uh, and with their skills to save me, to, to bring me back to full health. And uh, with the grace of God, I'm, I'm here today because of all of their work. And they do that day in and day out, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's always somebody there to do all those things. I found that tremendously humbling that they put their efforts into me and I was uh, tremendously grateful to all of them for doing that and they went through training and and learning and skills and many many experiences to learn and do what they do Um, and and they did a fantastic job Uh, so I was challenged by the Lord to take that into my own workplace Uh, I used to work in a very high-powered retail setting uh, uh, where uh, there was a lot of stress and pressure to perform and and pull things together. And then when I switched over to start working for a state agency, uh, the, the culture and everything was totally different. Um, and it really wasn't my first choice of a job. Uh, and so I questioned God, why do you have me here? You know, why is it that I'm here? And so uh, I, I've done a lot of meditating on that and asking God. And, and I began to see that these people in the state agency and the different culture are doing the very same thing as the doctors and the nurses and others. Uh, they're pouring out their heart to serve everyday society, to uh, live out a meaningful life for themselves. Uh, serving a, a an institution and serving society uh, all around us and and making our world work uh, and it's important to them uh, and this should be important to me too uh, and for me to be there and encourage uh, being my role as a mentor and a teacher and a trainer uh, is was important to encourage all of them to believe in what they were doing uh, to understand the value of what they're doing day in and day out, however little the little things are, the the 30-minute meetings that we have every day, the conference rooms, and even just spending time over lunch with a coworker uh, to let them talk through their difficult day uh, and to let them talk about their family troubles. Uh, and also the other side, to talk about the uh, the joys in life uh, the joys of working with all the fellow people uh, and to see what God is doing in all of their lives and to be free to talk about what God is doing in my life to them and let them share their own stories uh, and to love them and care for them and uh, uh, to care about them.
So you've given us just a wonderful living example, a wonderful story that illustrates the opportunity that we all have as Christians in our situations and circumstances, no matter how ordinary they seem, to be able to create spaces for God's kingdom to break through and create space for love, blessing, and God's grace to work. Ed, it's been great visiting with you. Thank you for sharing from your heart. And we celebrate with you your new life twice over. Steve, thanks for letting me share my story. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You'll want to check out our website at workingforourfather.com. It's constantly being updated with new content to support you and others in living your faith at work.